You are listening to the Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Business Wilderness. My name is Ahmed Al-Huli and today I have two very special guests with me, Mr. Joe Snyder and Mr. Chris Brown. Guys, how are we? Fantastic. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, we shared a bit of a chat offline. You guys have a lot to share. Let's get straight into it. Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? It it uh, it all began in um, in a real estate uh, investment that uh, Chris and I made years and years and years ago, and we uh, we've played with real estate for a long time in, in the U.S. and um, Chris has lived abroad and traveled the world uh, as well. Um, Chris and I ended up building a risk management business in the U.S. and uh, did did some mergers and acquisitions and kind of cobbled together a, a, a group of businesses and ended up exiting that a few years ago. When we <clears throat> exited that business, we um, we had some development talent, some software talent, including Chris, um, who, uh, who had been building tools around our business. And so those guys kind of stayed with us uh, and the risk management business went to, to a buyer. And so for the last three or four years, Chris and I have, played with consulting and building technologies and playing with different things. And um, I spent my time uh, looking at M&A and, and public markets and things like that. Chris spent his time playing with blockchains and future tech, IoT, things like that. So, um, And that led us to the decision over the last couple of years that we really believe that blockchain tools and technologies are the underlying basis for the future of Web 3.0. And that belief was uh, our kind of instigating factor. Um, that, along with some some things around the Internet of Things technologies and some of the future techs um, that that we see impacting the next wave of, of human engagement with technologies, um, for us to form a new corporation in uh, in the U.S. and we went public. We did a reverse merger, which means we acquired a company that was already public. And uh, we went public in, in the U.S. on the OTC stock exchange in March of this year. Nice, nice, nice. Blockchain. Um, crypto is usually aligned with blockchain. I think people, they confuse the two, but they are not the same. They are two separate things. Um, blockchain technology, uh, we see all these platforms now, the way they're built, and there's been a lot of talks about organizations building their platforms or a version of their platforms on, on blockchain. Why all the hype? Like, why is everybody making that, that transition now or, or planning to? Well, potentially there's a better way to do things. If there, and if there's a better, cheaper, faster, more secure way to do something, everybody's going to migrate to it, right? Yeah. So, so, and, and there's also this piece that not everybody fully understands what's happening in blockchain or what blockchain even is. So there's a lot of people who are, are inventing use cases to, you know, pursue the fundraising that went around uh, with the ICO launches and all the hot crypto coins and everything that happened over the past 
year or so, really, you know, the very beginning of this year. Um, but that aside, there are a lot of a lot of really significant use cases and a lot of significant savings in moving to systems of this type that makes such a large impact on the way we transact business and the way we do basically everything in our economies that the disruption is potentially enormous, which means that there, there's a lot of companies who are looking at this and saying, potentially we put a few of our pieces onto this new system, onto this new type of ledger, and it eliminates you know, a world of hassles or, or ongoing you know, risk mitigation or um, you know, reduction in human error because you can, you can automate things that weren't previously automizable. Um, so there's a lot of power there. There's a lot. There's a lot to look at and a lot to possibly implement. And there's also a lot of, of you know internet hype around the the thing that sort of launched them, right? Yeah. Um, Thirty seconds. Elevator pitch style. Explain blockchain to our to our listeners. Blockchain is a series of states of data. So every time you have data in a state, say I own a property and you own a property, that's a state of data, right? Who owns what, where it is, what it is. Every state of data is a block. Every time we make a change to the state of anything, I buy your property, you buy my property, instead of changing the data, we make a new block. Every block is connected by the chain, which is a, a secure cryptographic chain between the blocks, so that you cannot change any previous block. And now you have a secure, provable record of data. Wow. That sounds amazing, and that was really, really, really well uh, explained. That's probably one of the better ex explanations, actually. Um, okay, so all these technologies now that are coming out, AI, AR, and VR, and so on and so on, how does blockchain play play a role in that whole world, or how how are these technologies built on onto the onto the blockchain? Well, you have things like AI with big data. So Potentially that, that immutable data structure has benefits to learning about whatever subject the AI is, is learning about, if you're doing learning. Uh, um, I'm not entirely sure. I don't have an example for you about VR. I'm sure we could advance one over the next few minutes. Um, but there's a lot of... <laughs> yeah. um, but things like, imagine swarm robotics, right? So you have multiple pieces that are running around doing individual tasks. They need to communicate with each other and know what's going on, and they need to all have the same the same central set of, of data, right, about what is the world in this moment, who is where, why are they there, what needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, you can distribute that. You can distribute that computing and that database amongst the actual swarm itself and allow each piece to have its own blockchain and then come to a consensus among the network in any whatever consensus algorithm works best for the speed needed for that particular network. Um, but then you don't have the centralized data storage, you don't have the issues of everybody pinging the same server, right? Everybody is making autonomous decisions based on where they are and what they're doing, and all of that data is shared amongst them in an ad hoc network, meaning that you can deploy it basically anywhere at any time and it'll be able to do the function that it's made to do. Uh, in a distributed fashion, in a growable, scalable distributed fashion, too. You don't have to worry about a centralized infrastructure saying, okay, if I have a 1,000 robots, I need this. If I have 10,000, I need this. No, they all simply connect and come to a consensus and make their decisions. Um, so th there's a lot of pieces that are similar to that. Um, you know, you have tracking for supply and logistics, which is a common one. 
uh, exchanges between networks using tokens and tokenization, stuff like that. Uh, you're able to you know, sell your power. Um, really, there's a lot of power there in the fintech world where you're changing the way people transact uh, value, essentially. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about crypto coins and that kind of thing here, but I'm talking about value like equity or ownership slice in a house or you know, uh, ownership in, in an art gallery or something like that, where you're able to, to really fractionalize something down to an incredible level and then transact it in a peer-to-peer -peer manner on a very high-speed basis. That lends a lot of power to the things that we do as an economy, right? Like companies are constantly trading their stock and using futures contracts to buy every commodity on the planet. All of these trades go through many middlemen and have have risk factors and have have human error factors uh, and just have time delays that are not necessarily and have the costs of all these middlemen involved with them. Uh, there's a lot of cost savings efficiencies to be gained there almost immediately. Wow. So, so sorry, sorry, I ranted off of your initial question. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. But you know, it basically put put the puzzle together. So basically, many people are going to lose their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but no, right? So uh, I mean, if you look through the history of, of revolutions <laughs> happening, including the technological revolution, we don't yeah. really have. You know, there's always another job, right? You can of always course, have something to go and say, "Hey, go do that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean. It's, um, but yeah, a that, lot of people are going to lose their job. Yeah. And, that, and that and that potentially and that potentially gets you into some more like esoteric conversations about you know when when you have AI running things and you have you know systems where um, you know trust is is inherent within the system and so you don't need all these middlemen. You know costs are actually reduced, right? Cost of living can come down. Cost of um, goods and products can come down. And so you have this kind of esoteric conversation about okay, well, what does mankind do? when mankind doesn't need to do something in order to feed oneself and clothe oneself and house oneself. And so I won't go down that rabbit hole necessarily, but, um, you know, there's an opportunity, I think, for mankind with these technologies to grow into the artistic selves and the creative selves that we're supposed to be, um, because maybe we don't have to spend 60 hours a week doing something that can now be done automatically. I would say that I don't think blockchain is going to bring us to a post-scarcity utopia. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a fan of the idea. But I'm a fan of the idea. Wow. Inter interesting times ahead, to, to say the least, anyway. Um, all right. So as an organization, where, where do you guys move forward? Like, what, what does the future look like? Yeah, so our, um, you know, our focus is on... Uh, building and deploying and serving the um, companies and governments and, and, and communities that are looking to deploy these technologies in the real world. Lannister Holdings as a, as a public company is focused on adding stakeholder value and, and growing our business through the um, identification of and acquisition of technologies and companies uh, in, in the future tech spaces. Lannister Development, LannisterDevelopment.com is our client-facing software development and blockchain development, you know, division, and we are focused on serving and consulting and educating uh, clients, enterprise clients, governments, universities, and startups on how these technologies work, how they integrate with existing systems and operations, 
And that um, that's where, where we look at growing and scaling our business. We have some incredible people on our team, amazing people on our advisory boards and, and, and on our staff teams and executive teams who um, really know a lot about these disparate industries, um, you know, everything from telecom to logistics uh, to, as, as Chris was saying, Swarm Robotics, FinTech, InsureTech. Um, you know, the, the application uses are really, really myriad. So we're not, uh, we have some internal use cases uh, and things that we're playing with and looking at both from a development standpoint, also from an acquisition standpoint. And that's one of the reasons that we decided to be a publicly traded company was to have that kind of maneuverability and flexibility for um, when we do see technology that we think is very, very cool, or we do see a, uh, a company that we think is, is a really strong market player for us that, that we can make a deal and, and, and acquire those assets and, and fold those into our group. So our, uh, our strategic aim is to be one of the top um, future tech development companies in the world over the next five years. And, um, and that's, that's what we're working towards. Wow. Sounds interesting. You guys are in a pretty good uh, position at the, at the moment. I mean, um, I can't think of many other companies that are, that are, that are currently doing the same. Um, you mentioned you've you've had a few exits. You've um, you've been in, through a few different industries. You're currently now dealing with a a publicly listed company. So I'm sure there's quarterly earnings, so on, so on, so on. Um, meeting them, the, the pressures of being a publicly listed company, uh, the days of you being a startup, there's so many lessons and principles that you, you guys could basically share, share with people. I mean, what, what are some important or like the best tips you could give to, to somebody trying to build a business and the best tips to somebody who's about to go um, and and, and and basically be, become a public company. So share some insight with Ooh. us. Those, those are two different questions. Chris, I'll let you take the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Go do it. Go stop do it. it. Just stop reading about it. Stop pretending. Just build stuff. Something will happen. Might You might not like what happens, but something will happen. You might not like what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want to scare um, him, right? <laughs> we don't want to scare no, him. No, no, that doesn't mean stop, though, right? Keep yeah. going. You got to keep doing it. You have to do it over and over and over and over. But, yeah, go do it. Nice. Uh, that's great advice, actually. And and I think, I think a lot of people, you know, one of the things that we avoid uh, is meetings. You know, we, 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 and gosh, we have a lot of them, but we, we avoid them. Um, you know, there's there's a there is a reality that a lot of people spend a lot of time talking to a lot of other people about an idea instead of actually taking it somewhere and seeing if it fails. Absolutely. Right. Because it feels better to sit in a room and talk about an idea with other people who also happen to like that idea than it does to find out that the market actually doesn't give a shit about what you're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. You know, get get to know is something that we say all the time, especially with our sales teams, right? Get to know. Like, if, if, if you've got a deal on the table, is it a deal or not? And then the minute that it's not, perfect. Now we have an answer. Now we have a definitive point to move forward to a real deal or to move forward to repositioning that deal for some reason. Um, but I think for, for, for me, the ability to say, 
if this is going to be terrible, let's have it be terrible right now. And let's get through that. If the answer is no, great, we have an answer. Now we can move on to something that is a possible yes. But I think entrepreneurs especially, um, and this goes into even the middle C-suite in, in, in enterprise organizations too, right? There's this idea that we can all sit around and have meetings about these things and then never actually have to go deploy them, and we all get to keep our jobs. And that I think that piece of the economy is, is going away, right? We're talking about getting rid of middlemen, um, and that's one form of them. But for entrepreneurs, um, you know, Chris's, Chris's advice is, is just go do it. My, my advice is that also, but um, really try to find out why it's not going to work in the real world. Try to get to a no, and everything else after that is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, that absolutely makes sense. Um, all right, ha handling or leading a publicly traded company. Give us some insight. Um, uh, it's worse than you think. No. Uh, <laughs> you get a lot of spam yeah. on LinkedIn. You get a lot of spam on LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, it's a grand, it's a grand adventure. If it, it really is, and and I know I'm super unique in saying this, but I have always wanted to um, have a publicly traded company. I've always wanted to do that and see what it was like. It is a phenomenal adventure. You know, it is not for the faint of heart. It is not for people who don't have a very very strong stomach for risk. Um, I spend a large amount of time, literally before this phone call, before this recording, I was on the phone with a, a team of our securities attorneys um, at, at, at all hours and, and on all days. So there is a lot of a lot of work that goes into compliance and fiduciary responsibility and shareholder communication, stakeholder communication um, that is all a layer on top of actually running a business. And so I, the thing that I would say to people, first and foremost, is if you don't have a really incredible scale opportunity in front of you, if you don't have a deep blue ocean and a, and a really unique offering, don't, don't, do a, don't do a public company. Stay, stay private. Go get your funding rounds. Go bootstrap your businesses. Earn the money that you need to, to succeed. Um, stay private. If you have a very, very, very strong scalable market, you have a nice blue ocean, you've got expertise that's kind of rare, right? We checked all those boxes. We actually know how to build blockchain technologies. That's actually kind of rare. Um, we believe in the use cases of blockchain technologies in enterprise and government and, and, and industrial applications, not just crypto. That's actually a little bit rare. And there's really nobody in the space saying what we're saying and doing what we're doing. That makes it a blue ocean. And those things coming together formed enough of a support reason for us to decide to go public, right? It wasn't yeah. something like, hey, well, we're public, so what business do we want to do here, right? And that's, and there's those companies out there. Don't, don't, don't buy those stocks. Um, but, you know, if, <laughs> if you have those realities, then your question is not, do I go public or not? Your question is, what am I trying to achieve and why does being public add value that being private does not? Right? Yeah. Because in, in, in any cost basis, and being public is a cost basis, both in time and capital and in resources, uh, in attention, um, in any cost basis, you have to be able to outgrow your cost. And yeah. so for us, being public allows us to have 
and a vehicle for the acquisitions and maneuvers and things that we see uh, coming around the corner in this space, right? There's a vehicle for that. It also gives us a very strong foundation um, in this space because right now, like you said at the beginning of the interview, crypto and blockchain are synonymous in most people's minds right now. Yeah. And crypto is crypto is kind of maybe anti-regulation, kind of yeah. maybe off-the-book stuff. And yeah. so being public allows us to plant our flag and say, look, we're already regulated. We already have to deal with FINRA and the SEC and, you know, the state of Arizona and the state of Nevada and the OTC market. We already have all of this onus of responsibility upon us, right? We've chosen that. So we're um, already complying with regulation. And by the way, we believe that, you know, especially in the U.S., but we believe that crypto tokens are securities. If you're, if you're selling a a representation of your company to the public and accepting capital, that that pretty much consists of a security in the U.S. anyways. And that conversation wasn't necessarily being had by a whole lot of people when we started having it on podcasts six months ago, right? Yeah. So, you know, those differentiating factors are huge for us. And then secondarily to that, there's a massive public relations and messaging play that we have inherent within this organization because we're a public company. Absolutely. We get to reach out to amazing people like you and say, hey, do you want to interview <laughs> people from a publicly traded blockchain company? Yeah. Um, and that's a strong differentiating factor. And so you really have to make sure that you have a multifaceted and deeply layered value set for why you're doing this. Because otherwise, it's just a very expensive and very hard thing to do on a daily basis. Absolutely. I mean, even even the PR and and the building of confidence with governments or larger organizations to basically work with you guys. When, when you're publicly traded, there's, they're like, in, in my opinion, more likely to work with you than, you know, just some private company. So... Um, especially when you're handling such sensitive information. You, so um, uh, how do you balance? I mean, now you guys, uh, you're publicly traded, you're up the top, you've got a lot of um, basically not what you, you uh, I've gone blank there for like about five seconds, but um, no problem. Well, let me let me answer the question. Let yeah. me answer the question I think you were going to ask, which is how do you balance doing this with life? And the answer at the moment is like we don't. We work ninety hours a week right now. Um, <laughs> I was going to actually so ask you. you, so, you don't? <laughs> so how do you balance um, all these prerequisites and so on and so on from from the government bodies, and actually the growing of the business and and looking out for all these little startups and so on who are likely to come in and, and take market share eventually. So it's like basically, as I say, prevention is better than cure. Is that something that's that's currently on the, on the radar or? No, um, we don't, we don't worry about competition. We worry about um, doing things uh, the best way that we can do them and delivering things that are beautiful and have a great attention to detail. And, you know, there's enough to go around where we're, we come from a very, very strong belief that there is more than enough in the world. And that allows us to operate in a really open and um, communal fashion with our competitors. One of our 
one of our direct competitors in, in Phoenix, uh, Michael Noel, has blockchainconsultants.io. And, and on a certain segment of our business uh, for, for you know initial startup MVPs, he's a direct competitor. His company does that. Our company does that. We do a bunch of other things, and, and we refer business back and forth. But he actually sits on our advisory board. Well, because um, he knows smart stuff, <laughs> he knows, right? I mean, you know, why not have that included, right? And so, yeah. you know, we just we operate from this mentality that that there is plenty to go around. There is going to be more of this work coming down the pipe than we, as one company, could ever hope to achieve. Our goal by 2024 is to command about two and a half percent of global market share of blockchain development, right? And so that's a tiny sliver of a massive pool of, 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 of global potential. So there's more than enough to go around. How do we balance all of the effort and work to run a PubCo and run a marketing campaign and do public relations and run dev teams and sales teams and operations teams is we have phenomenal teams, first and foremost. Um, we are a completely remote work company. So we have, we have built this company around the ideas of lifestyle by design, of you know, the, the, the freedom of movement and the freedom of people to work when they want as long as they hit their deliverables and achieve the results that they have uh, uh, agreed to. And that takes a special type of team, which we are blessed to continue attracting amazing, world-class, beautiful, brilliant, artistic people to our team who come in and love the idea that they don't have to go to an office, love the idea that they don't have to work a specific set of hours, and that they get to play with their art uh, when they want, how they want, as long as they hit their deliverables uh, on a consistent basis on time. And um, at the end of the day, truly incredible, talented uh, people and artists um, have, a, have a great ability to do that when you let them do that. You know, my job is to, and, and, and in many regards, Chris's job as well, is to engage incredible people and then stay the hell out of their way. Nice. Love the attitude. Um, awesome. Um, it's been a great chat. We've, um, well, you, you guys, I should say, have shared some great insight. I'm sure there's heaps of value that our listeners can take away and benefit from and even implement, really. Um, before we let you guys go, where can we find you, you guys online? Absolutely. So um, we have LannisterHoldings.com um, for the public company. We have LannisterDevelopment.com for anybody that's interested in, hey, I've got an idea. I think this works for blockchain or my, my company you know, has an idea about blockchain. We don't know where to start. Um, our, our team will come in and, and do a consultation and, and work with your company, identify what your ideas are and how, how you might get traction on them or build uh, MVPs or, or full platforms if you need it. And, um, and then obviously we're on Twitter, uh, at Lannister and BDR, at Lannister Dev. I'm on Twitter, at Lannister CEO, and, and you know, we're all on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. You can look up Lannister Holdings on, on LinkedIn and find us there. But we're, we're, we're pretty easy to find. Awesome, awesome. Chris, Joe, thank you very much for joining me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate your time and all the best with everything moving forward. Thank you. Thank, thank you so thank much. You. It was great. Thank you for having us. You are listening to The Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs.